Hey everybody, Clint Fosley here and welcome back to the 32nd edition of the Clint Fosley podcast series, another Y series with uh, another amazing woman, Lauren Verona of Zenko Yoga. So in this episode, you know, for those who know the Y series, all of our people who've led these amazingly inspirational lives, you know, sort of following their passion. Uh, Lauren is absolutely no exception for that. And we just sort of discuss her life, her early life growing up in Melbourne how she went into the PR business um, and before that a couple of wild years traveling around Europe and then you know sort of found yoga and fell in love with it and how throughout the journey has followed a passion and you know now is the premier person in terms of yoga and having four studios running on the Sunshine Coast where I live. Lauren's also open enough to share about the struggles with divorce and all, all the challenging things you go through. And I think it's so important, you know, in these Y series, you see these inspirational women and men who who lead these lives, but everyone goes through their battles, everyone goes through their journey. And and once again, thanks so much to Lauren for opening up and being vulnerable around that. Um, just so if you are struggling out there um, and you see these people who are now shining lights, also to realize that all of them and myself included have gone through our dark days as well. Just remember, if you're looking for help specifically from me, then all our courses are up uh, as well as, you know, the one-on-one and group coaching from me is clintfoster.com forward slash help me is where you'll get that. And if you're listening to this just before the silly season, then yes, my wild foot trial trial class is starting on the 4th of January. So if you want to find food freedom uh, and get in sort of, you know, make 2021 an epic year, clintfoster.com forward slash wildfoot. I just want to thank Lauren once again so much for t- sharing so generously, sh- sharing so generously with her time. Got it this time, as as well as just you know opening up and being vulnerable. It was it was an amazing episode, and I absolutely loved having a conversation with her. And I think, you know, with her and I, we both don't mind having a yawn, and it probably could have gone for about four or five hours. But anyway, strap in, enjoy, and we'll see you in the other side. Ciao. Craig Fosley here, sorry, I mean Clint Fosley here, and welcome to the 32nd edition of the Clint Fosley podcast series. It's, uh, we're joined by Lauren Verona, and it's another Y series, Lauren, welcome to the podcast. An honor to be here. So for those who have never listened to the Y series, the whole purpose of these episodes are to chat to inspirational women and men who have lived, um, I guess you could call it unconventional lives, but followed their passion truly um, gone against conformity and, you know, have been huge success in the full lives. So I'm honored to have Lauren on the podcast today. Lauren, thanks so much again. Thank you. Should we get into it? Yes. Yes. Right. So, well, firstly, how's your baby? It's been full of yoga and play and sunshine coast living. That's that's opposite of me. I started coaching someone in a Starbucks in Brisbane at six. <laughs> and I had to get my daughter a lunchbox packed in the city, get her to school and anyway. Incredible. Your day sounds a bit more zen than mine. All the while applying your mindfulness. Always. Yes, yeah, as long as you're breathing. present. As long as you're present, then. I breathe all the way up to Bruce Highway. I was absolutely fine. It's a decent drive to the <laughs> No, it was, it was good. Good music. But, so it was fine. It was good quality time with the, with the firstborn, as I call her. Um, so as we always do, early life. Um, where did you grow up? What's your story? Um, born in New Zealand. Kiwi. But parents were are Australian. Yeah. Uh, the dad was working for Ansett Airlines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was placed there for a couple of years where I was created, but not long after we came back to Melbourne, Australia, where I spent most of my years living and growing up um, in Surrey Hills in yep. Melbourne, 
went to school there. And then um, it wasn't until my, uh, my 20s when I moved to the Sunshine Coast. So we just went through 20 years pretty quickly there. Boom. Uh, whereabouts in New Zealand were you from? We're, we're Auckland. Auckland. <laughs> and People always ask me questions about, like, where were I? Have to, I don't know. I don't no, know. I, I was a baby. Okay. <laughs> I don't have that information available to me. <laughs> and, and how old were you when you moved back to Melbourne? One year. One year, okay. So it's literally. Yeah. Yeah. I was similar to the city. I was born in the city. In a, I know the hospital, but that's about as far as I think I also moved when I was one. And when you were a kid in Melbourne, what did, what did your life look like then? I mean, as a. You obviously you know, drawn to athletics and movement. As a kid, were you drawn to movement as well, sport, or what did you get into? As a kid, yeah, absolutely. Got into all that. I guess um, becoming a teenager, I was kind of the cool kid, so stopped all of that. Wow. Yeah, um, kept the dancing going because that was kind of cool, but just let basketball and netball go. Um, and I didn't pick up sport really properly until later on. Mm. Um, we had a great lifestyle. Parents took us holidaying and I guess, you know, they brought us up to the Sunshine Coast a couple of times for holidays in Noosa and Malilava and we had a taste for it. So it was actually my brother that was the first one from the family to move up and I followed him later on. Um, but yeah, whether we were caravaning or staying at resorts, we had a really great time for a really close family and we still are extremely close. So how many brothers and sisters have you got? One of each. One of each. You, where you? In, I'm the oldest. You're the eldest. First born, as you oh, call it. First, my first born. Yeah. Well, she's my boss at the moment. Just that's another story. You remember together. that? I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, I know. She's referred to in the state of She's where's your boss? I'm like, oh, she's. She's referred to my boss. She keeps me honest. Um, and and where your brother and sister now? Brothers still here on the coast. Nice. Sisters in Melbourne. Okay. Okay. And your folks are they still around? They're in Melbourne. Okay. They visit a lot. Do they? Yeah, but they love Melbourne still. They love the MCG and all the restaurants available at their their doorstep. AFL or cricket? AFL. AFL, Mm -hmm. big nuts. Okay, it's a a weird, (laughs) it's a weird, I mean, having said that, I obviously South African, so rugby union, but but, um, going to Melbourne for work, it's just, I always stay at the Pullman opposite the MCG, which is fascinating. I've never been inside the MCG, but just watching this year's grand final, it's such a good spectacle. It, it really is a damn good sport. I snuck myself in. Did you? Probably couldn't ever, should never share it. I had a friend, this is a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, so I have very little interest in the AFL. And we've got a bit of a running joke with my family that I don't know much about it, but I tend to like get myself into places. Yeah. I'm a little smooth in my, in my negotiations, let's say. And I had a friend, and this is about 10 years ago, in my heyday when I was partying and having a good time. I still am, but without all the drugs and alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he said, why don't you come in, grand final day, yeah. Come in with me, use my brother's pass, just flash the card and just walk through those gates into the members area of the MCG. Like, my dad has been a member for most of his life. Yeah. Like, it's, it's very exclusive to yes. become a member, right? Yes. And there I was. I'm not going to tell my parents I'm doing it because they'll freak out and obviously won't agree. Yeah. But I did it. Yeah. And then I took a selfie photo of myself at the bar, the members bar at the MCG on grand final day. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And did you manage to... Because once you're in, you're in, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome, man. And, um, Had a bit of cheek from very early on. Yeah, well, that's cool. Yeah. I haven't picked that up. No. <laughs> and uh, when you when you were coming out of school, as you said, you know, the cool kid phase, drop sport, all that stuff, um, what, what, do you, what, what were your aspirations for your life in those days? Like, where were you always going to be, like a Melbourne City girl, or where were you in your mindset? I wasn't sure where. 
But I know from being really young, I remember thinking, I don't want to work at an office. Mm -hmm. I don't want to work for somebody. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do the nine to five thing. Like just something about it. I didn't like the idea of it. And I did used to think, what on earth am I going to do with myself? Like maybe I'll just be one of those weird hippies, you know, and just travel around and be a free spirit. But dare would I, you know, share that with my parents yeah. or anyone else. And I really just was very uncertain. And and just from reading between the lines, your parents obviously pretty conservative in a way yeah. where it was go to get a you know, go to uni, get a job. Was that the path that they wanted for you? Of course. Yeah. yeah. They knew I was pretty wild. Yeah. Um, and they tried to tame me. Um, I, you know, I was asked, asked to leave high school when yeah. I was in year 11 and my parents found it very hard to find a private school that would actually accept me for year 12 based on my school reports. And not that I was a bad person, yeah. but I was just having a really good time yeah. and I didn't want to conform. Yeah. Um, but one of the biggest schools in Melbourne, um, MLC, they took me on in year 12 and uh, <laughs> <laughs> they had 300 kids per year level. It was oh, just, wow. you know, probably add, add to the, yeah. you know, the budget, the bottom yeah. line. Um, and so... God, I, I, yeah, I had to conform, but I knew it wasn't me. I tied the line, I got through yeah. it, but still didn't know what I wanted to do. And and going back to those days, because, I mean, uh, I grew up in a very strict family as well, it, it's just, do, do you think it was that rebellion against that conformity? I mean, I know, it, you know, that, that, that you just, you saw that road and you're like, shit, I don't want to do that road. So instead of going next to it, you kind of go the next motorway across, was it? That wiring, I know it's tough when you're a kid to remember. Absolutely, it was. Yeah. yeah. You can't do that, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll show you. <laughs> Don't drink a beer, I'll drink a <laughs> Yeah, watch me. Yeah. Okay. And then where did you end up after school? What was what was the. Was, were there schoolies in those days? What is? Schoolies? Schoolies. The, the big parties? No, no, there wasn't. Um, I actually wasn't really kind of going out and doing the big drinking and yeah. that sort of thing. I had a boyfriend at the time and I just, um, I actually ran away from home when I was 17 as well. So I was living with a boyfriend at the time. And then I remember coming home, I broke up with him and I came home to mum and I said, okay, I think, I think I'm ready to maybe apply to do something after school. Yeah. She was so happy, you know. Um, I didn't have a very high score, yeah. but I applied and I did hospitality management for a year. Yeah. William Inglis in Melbourne and enjoyed it for the business side of things, I guess. Toe the line and then got to the end of it and went, there's no way in hell I'm going to work in hospitality because I didn't want to work for anyone. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't see freedom in that, in that realm, you know. I, I was a free spirit really looking back. So I was a bit of a loose end and I just didn't know what to do with myself. But, you know, women of values and ethics and, and living with my parents now at the time, and I said to mum and dad, I think I need to go travelling. And mum, it was like, she's had this moment, she's like, oh, thank goodness, yes, go, we support you. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, we're done. So I was 20. Yeah. And I did the go and live in UK thing, which actually wasn't really that popular back then, like it is now. Um, and I saved up money. I worked jobs. I worked yeah. in hospitality. I worked in bars, cafes, you name it. Because I'm a worker, so yeah. I worked saved money and I went travelling. So I was away for two years. So where did you end up in the UK? I was backpacking. I lived in London. I lived in Edinburgh. Yeah. Between both of those, yeah. I travelled the rest of the time. Egypt, Morocco, all sorts of places. A lot of it on my own. Yeah. I was Because I had that rebellious, I guess, as you call it, yeah. um, that wildness, that fearless mindset, I just put myself into places and looked after myself and protected myself and my parents supported me. Yeah. So then I sat on the Greek islands towards the end of my trip. 
As you do. And I, I, I didn't ring mum, but you get on um, MSN Messenger back then. And I said, I think I'm ready to come back and do something with my life yeah. again to celebrate it. And um, I looked up courses and I found a business course to do. Um, and so I did, I think it's a certificate for business. Or something. It was a two-year course yeah. um, specialising in public relations. Yeah. So I did the course. Then went on to work in that field yeah. for a couple of years yeah. until I found yoga. On the side. So you, you run through decades remarkably well. <laughs> Seriously. Sensational effort again. I think we've gone through six years. Um, how, how was your... I, I did the London thing for three and a half years as well. So I, I, I hear you. And as a, as a South African, we're always desperate to get another passport. Like, yes. You know, as a plan B. Yeah, take, take good money. Yeah. And um, I had an ancestral visa because mm. my grandfather was Welsh. So I was, I, I was meant to be there for five years to get a British passport. After three and a half years, I was like a mouse. It killed my soul, the city itself. Oh, no. um, You're in London, yeah? I was in the city. I was working at the bank. I'm tech, so working for the banks. Uh, good money, but souls, right? Um, did, yeah. did you, when you were in that climate, did you have that feeling or was your your breakaways to the islands, to Morocco, Egypt, your... Yeah, I was just... Your spies, yeah. Earn the pound, get the hell out of there. Yeah. yeah. So you felt that as well, that heaviness? Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I remember there'd be hardly any daylight either side of getting on that tube. Yeah. You're in the tube, you, then you just, it was like little ants. Mm. Go to work, get back on the tube and go home. Yeah. Eat, drink, repeat. I bought myself drink. A, I bought myself a lot, yeah. I bought myself a Vespa, actually. I did the tube for two That's days. A good idea. And then I got in the scooter. I was like, I, I couldn't deal with that. <laughs> the no. confines of what was the tube. I just remember um, cleaning my nose at the end of the day, oh, blowing my nose, yeah, and just black. the black mm. and the grey that would come out. Mentioned what was going into the system. Booze at the time, right? Plenty. <laughs> snake bites, I think. Uh, snake bites. Remember snake bites? Yeah, I never knew. What, I didn't, hadn't even had a beer in my life until I went to England. And then you have a lot. Yeah, you make up for lost time. So when you when you came back to study, um, back with mum and dad, or your own, or, or mm-hmm. what? back to the parents' house. Yeah, and, and how did <laughs> after being on the road for two years and then coming back, how did that adaption go? Or had you sort of I guess, mature in a way to appreciate that infrastructure that they gave you. I didn't have a great relationship with either of them before I left. I remember yeah. I ran away from home yeah. and I developed a relationship while I was away. I say absence makes the heart grow fonder. Mum and I were on MSN Messenger sometimes most days. Wow. And I just grew this bond with these parents that raised me. And I think I probably had a good shake-up and realised how blessed I was and how blessed my life was back home. <laughs> and our relationship has just been awesome ever since so I came home and living at home was easy you know I helped out cooking and with cleaning it wasn't like I was just sitting there taking a piss like I was contributing no more hotel living no more hotel living (laughs) at all um I knew it was temporary yeah doing the then I was doing the business and the PR course and we just all got along we still do we get along so well that's awesome yeah I was very fortunate and obviously now a successful businesswoman, but at that time, did the business appeal to you? PR, where did you think like, ooh, wait a sec, I, I like this aspect of the course. Did you get the early inklings of what you were going to move towards during that course? Mm, I loved the business side of things. Mm. Um, why? Yeah, good question. When did it kind of start to click in? Because it wasn't a money thing. It was a freedom thing, I think, mm-hmm. but not that I knew what I was going to turn into a business and had not done yoga prior to this point, yeah. by the way. 
um, but through the course, I like the idea of the public relations and, and writing content and sending off to media and producing PR material. Yep. So you see your product that you're promoting, which is often bikinis, swimsuits, fashion labels, makeup labels, um, eyelashes, things like that, and you'd see them in print and magazine and radio and television sometimes. We've got one of our makeup brands onto a current affair. I don't know how, but anyway, we pitched it in. Um, so it was it was cool to see the end re- end result of what I was doing. Yeah. And as a obviously assuming you're an extrovert as well, um, as an extrovert, did that fill your cup just dealing with all these various people all day? Yeah. You know, just yeah. Just being. Once I was in in the PR business, yeah. yeah, Melbourne to Sydney regularly, meeting with media, loved it. Yeah, mm. living the media life, yeah. it's great. I get mesmerised when some people say, oh, I hate microphones. I'm like, should try to get out of my hand, right? You've done that, you've done well. <laughs> um, so from a, before you, I know you mentioned earlier on that you, that you found yoga, but I just want to pull back a bit mm. in terms of spirituality and mm. intuition and all the stuff that's, well, I know I do, I know you buy into now, I buy into, but, you know, as part of our lives. Did you, at an early age, looking back, have any sort of intuition stuff, gut stuff, spirituality stuff where you you had these moments these feelings or these goosebumps or these these incidents through your years that you didn't know quite what it was but you always knew it was there yeah i'm thinking of two things that come to mm. mind so one is about my grandmother yep. and then one is when i did that traveling around the world for two years and i'll probably start on the latter first so when i did travel i traveled a lot on my mm. own which you know the 20 year old woman can be unsafe I kid you not, I just sometimes get visions in my mind or a feeling like I've got to get out of this alleyway. It's good. I've got to go. Um, and I remember one day I was thinking, where am I going to go when I was off to Greek Island? And I literally had this dream. I saw the words written in my dream. Um, it was one of the islands, and I didn't know the island. And I woke up in the morning and I was like, well, you don't Google it. You probably look up your Lonely Planet <laughs> no, guide. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right, yeah. And found um, there was this island. I ended up actually going there and yeah. living there. Yeah. Just, uh, I can't think of it. Ah, down the bottom, one of the south ones. Um, and staying and living there. So I feel like, yeah, on reflection, I, I did get a lot of guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, just a couple of days ago this week, my grandmother would have been 100 years oh, of age. Wow. She was a really spiritual woman. Mm-hmm. Um, loved to have a good time and party as well, but was really tuned in. And she she was my everything. She was a huge mentor for me. I'd often just pull sickies and pretend I was sick just because I wanted to hang out with her. Mum would drop me off to grandma's. I'm like, oh, fine, you're going to grandmother's. I'm like, and gosh, we'd have a great day. It was yeah. so much fun. And she, yeah, she taught me a lot. Not not in her teachings, in her embodiment. Mm. Mm. And she, I'm sure she sensed that through you anyway, mm. right, that you... You had that intuition mm. as well. She must have. Yeah. 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 All good teachers do, right? Yeah. <laughs> mm. They find the special ones. Mm. Awesome. And and the um and and today obviously you, you know, we'll get to the yoga stuff now, but as spirituality as part of your daily life, I mean, you know, you, you dropped in the mindfulness for me this morning, which is obviously key. Mm. Um what does your practice look like? I know it's it's you know, in this day and age it's tough to embody, but you know, from breath work, you're obviously very fortunate that you have a yoga studio where I guess it is work for you in a way, but you can come to a place. But besides that, you know, when you are, you know, the single mom looking after your kids, business owner, what practices or, or do you have in place to make sure that you you good, right? That your cup's getting full. I think it's every moment mm. that you're present and that I'm right here. I'm not anywhere else. Yeah. And I'm like that when I'm with my children. And with my team members, 
with family, with, with friends. I'm, I have good boundaries in place. I know how to say no. I've had to learn the hard way. I'm laughing so, guilty as a child. Boundary, what's that? <laughs> so important. I have to practice what I preach. Yeah. And, of course, in life we have all of our lessons taught to us. Mm-hmm. I've been down burnout. I've come out as a result of it. Now I teach it and share it. Yeah. You know? I've been down overwhelmed. I've been down stress, all of that sort of thing. And at the end of the day, we're a product of our thoughts. So you have to keep coming back to, to presence and to become aware of what those thoughts are and what we're creating for ourselves in our outer worlds. So for me, it's a practice. It's a constant state. Yoga is actually to be in a constant state of yoga. Yeah. Mind, body, spirit, connected. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, it's actually a beautiful, blissful state to be in if, if we allow ourselves. Monkey brain off, monkey brain off, yeah. monkey brain off. And just watching that. That's mindfulness, watching the monkey. Mm. There he is, there he is. <laughs> squirrel, 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 yeah. squirrel. So how did you find yoga? I find that you get there. So you NPR, you moving and shaking between Melbourne and Sydney. How did the yoga thing start? Yeah, my mum did take me to a yoga class many years ago, and I hated it. You know, you go to some classes, like, what on earth is this? Um, but I was dancing back then, so it didn't really make any sense to me. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's yoga and there's yoga and there's yoga, right? So it probably wasn't the right style. Um, and then I picked it up again um, in my 20s. I was stressed, that's right. I was running a PR business and I was working, you know, doing the Melbourne, Sydney thing and wasn't breathing, wasn't eating properly, wasn't really caring for myself. And I probably went all balls down to it. And it's funny because I was talking about this with a client after class today. I can say I didn't love myself. Mm. I didn't care for myself. And... I knew I needed something. I was running around the, t- the TAN, they call it, Botanical Garden yeah. Circuit in Melbourne. I'd run. I'd swim a lot. So now I'm starting to introduce some you know, physical exercise. So I'm swimming and I'm running. And then someone said to me, try, try yoga. It's like dancing. Mm. <clears throat> and, I lo- and I was flexible, so I love the idea of my big Lord of the Dance poses. And I'm, not, I'm not wearing it. I'm not wearing the top. Um, it's in our logo. And so I tried yoga. And... Something about it, just like I said, I started to like myself. I started to notice the patterns that I had. I started to sleep better is a big one that people notice when I start to sleep better. It's feel a bit more supple. And I liked the version of me that I saw. And, of course, I walked into a class and saw all these people doing full chaturangas, which is like a plank position. And then you lower down to the floor and then come up into an upward face and go, it's a strong pose. And I looked around the women, of course, and I saw these, you know, the strength in them. And I remember saying to myself, I don't have that strength. I yeah. could never do that. Yeah. So you start to pick up on your limiting beliefs and you start to show yourself strength mm-hmm. and resilience, suppleness and openness and flexibility. So all these physical components of the practice actually play out in areas of your life in spiritual, mental and emotional ways. And that's what I start to notice. And I start to get a feel for this thing and I start to really mm-hmm. like how I was feeling after a few months of practice. Yeah, I can, I can resonate because for me, post-divorce, you know, five years ago now, whenever that was, yoga was the first thing I ever did for myself, mm. ever. And I told the story often, but I was going up to, I just Googled it one day, uh, going up to Sunshine Beach to a studio that's now closed. And I had to pull over and I broke down in tears because it was, it was so symbolic for me to that this is, you know, it wasn't about the 10 bucks or the 20, it wasn't the money, it was the, I'm actually putting myself first. And through my healing, for me, yoga was 
not only about the, well, there are a couple of things that practice, but finding time for me and putting me first. That was hugely symbolic, hugely, hugely symbolic. The firstly and secondly, <laughs> as an ex-competitive athlete, being very shit and unsupple for the ego, it was amazingly humbling, <laughs> you know, to say, well, you know what, I do need a block and I do need a strap for certain things. Mm-hmm. And instead of, you know, and I know when you, when you, when you teach, you always say that it's you and the mat, it's no one else. You know, when I started, I was, I want to be the best, I want to be the best, I want to be the best. And then just letting go of that ego and, you know, just, I guess, accepting my body for the state it was in was also huge. That moment when you pulled over on the side of the road or wherever it was, mm. you had that release mm-hmm. and you made it mean around worthiness and fun doing something mm. for myself. Mm. And I believe that also that was about like your soul crying and saying, mm. you know, thank you because mm. not only are you bringing me to yoga to combat the ego and become supple and those things that, you know, that you were drawn to, yeah. look what else has opened up sense so it's almost like the soul recognizes like you're finally waking up it's this wake up and the body reacts through emotion and yeah. tears and says it's like it's saying thank you to you but it's got to shake it's got to be shaken enough to have that moment and then you know anything is possible after that it's yeah you know, it's it's quite i was having a conversation with my oldest daughter she's coming up a lot on this podcast but um about um extreme lessons uh, you know, talking about my journey, and I'm saying I'm an extreme human being, and, she, and she's my doppelganger. She said, We are, and, and the harsh reality is, we need extreme lessons because you know, the soft little picks aren't gonna, we need these big flat hands that are gonna wake us up to change path, right? And if we listen, if we choose to listen to those, those learnings, so yeah, I resonate with that completely. Mm. Big time, and then of course, not just to be an extreme, extreme changer, but you know, in the way that you can empathise with other people, in the way that you can do this podcast, in the way that you can find people. Like, this is all part of you have to have the experience so that you can understand another person's pathway. Absolutely. And I know that's how I've sort of, over the years as well for myself, tried to comprehend, for lack of a better word, my experience that happened through divorce mm. and what transpired. The only thing I was able to hold on to through that time is, this is going to help someone else one day. Mm-hmm. It's a powerful place to come from, right? So, so you you come from a position of serving rather than, you know, I guess pity and, and uh, victim role. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to mm-hmm. use this to serve someone else, which is, mm-hmm. you know, completes the circle in a way. Yeah, it's that rather than just thinking, why is this happening to me? It is that it's happening for me, right? For others, for, for goodness knows how, hundreds, thousands of your yeah. viewers and, and listeners yeah. in years to come. Mm, exactly right. Yeah, we're just going to cut them. <laughs> But, the, but, but as, as and, and, you know, coming back to what you said right in the beginning, where your attention goes, you know, energy flows. It's, it's just one of those things. So if you sit in that why me, pity, you're just going to get more of that. And our story becomes out of reality. It's mm. just incredible, isn't it? Mm. Quantum physics. We won't go there yet. Cool. So, so, so now you've got into yoga, you're liking um, Funny you stop talking about crying because I had my, my big release too. I went and had counselling over it. Because you cry. Well, I was really emotional. So I'm in the PR business. Yeah. I'm doing yoga on the side. I'm falling in love with myself perhaps. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> kind of liking who I am and thinking, I actually quite like this. And I started to yeah. have anyone else relate when you have these like 
visions of yourself, maybe when you're in the shower on the toilet, you say, when the penny drops, you know yeah. that term. I was having that. But I was seeing myself as a yoga teacher. Oh, wow. And I felt really emotional about it. Like, I can, I can get emotional now thinking yeah. about it. And so I sought out the services of a counsellor because I thought there was something wrong with me because I got so emotional. <laughs> and, and looking back, was it just because you breaking away from the conformity or what do you think it was? Because it was just a calling maybe. They say, you know, like anxiety is just telling us that our inner compass is out. Yeah. My compass was way out. And it's starting to come back into alignment. That's that's emotional. Mm. But yeah, conforming was huge. So I went to see this counselor. <laughs> Sitting down. <laughs> I just think I really love yoga teaching and perhaps I want to do yoga teaching, you know, like as a job, perhaps do it more. Maybe not, maybe with the PR, maybe on the side, do both. And I mean, she must have. Can you imagine how she would like? She would have been laughing. <laughs> um, so anyway, it feels what like, was her advice? Go for it. Oh, fuck it. Good. Who do you need to talk to? Who do you need to get on board? Who do you need to get yeah. to support you? So I had to go home and have the conversation with my fiance at the time, my parents. I went and had meetings with everyone. I, I call it FYI. I need to have an appointment, a meeting yeah, with you. Yeah. Could we please make a time? Yeah. And I remember the, the fiance at the time, he was so concerned. He's like, yeah, yeah, sit down, sit down. What's wrong? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's thinking, what on earth's yeah, going on? Are we calling yeah. off the marriage? Yeah. <laughs> I think I want to yoga, teach yoga. Yeah. And, of course, he had, he was supportive. Great. Wait, so I went, made a meeting with my parents, sat my parents down, formal, like at the dinner table. I need to talk to you about something. I'm feeling like I'm going to come yeah. away from this peak break because I had to build and establish a great PR business in Melbourne. Yeah. I think I want to make, maybe let it go and do this yoga thing. Yeah. Of course they supported me. They loved me. Crazy, it was all yeah. these ideas yeah. in my mind. Yeah. And it's my journey. It's my destiny. And what you don't stop and think about is the way I sort of mentioned before about all your listeners for years to come, mm. what, the, what messages that they're meant to get. You don't think about that person on the couch who desperately needs yoga that you're limiting because you won't wake up to your calling and be of service. Yeah, someone, someone said to me, because I, when I said before we were on camera, my, what's held me back on the divorce stuff is my fear of being judged. And I had someone coach me and said, that's unbelievably selfish of you. And I was like, what? And they're like, well, you know how many people you're not helping? You're being a disservice. Yeah. That's selfish. You're being a I'm dis- not selfish. No. <laughs> yeah. But it was at that same thing. Yeah. I was like, oh. What is this costing you? And how many people are you taking away from every day that you delay? Exactly right, you know. It's a beautiful way to look at it. Once you get your head once around you that, once you can. Something else that I was listening to this morning, actually, early, um, uh, someone said, which I thought was so amazing about what other people, you know, other people's opinions in life, and they said, Stand up, so said, stand up, draw a circle around you. Anything inside that circle, that's all you worry about. Mm. Anything else, it's got nothing to do with it. It's got nothing to do with that, mm. which I thought was pretty, pretty powerful. So yeah. here's, here's a bizarre question. Yeah. So Lauren now, looking mm. back to how you would react then, I mean, it's all an evolution, right? Mm-hmm. If that intuition or when that intuition comes, I'm assuming as you've evolved, mm. you now have that mm. full trust and reliability on yeah, I'd like to say it's just a work in progress, right? We all are. Yeah. 
That's cool. So, so how did you? So now you've you've had your meetings. You've got the had approvals. The meetings, tick tick got tick tick. Um, with your business case. Um, how did you? Who did you reach out to, to teach you? Because obviously that's an important decision. Mm. And I know you you offer that as well, which I'd love to get into later. But mm. who did you choose to to go to, and how did that journey look? Again, I didn't know, so I just went on the internet and found out who was doing yoga teacher training in in Melbourne where I was living. Mm-hmm. And just went and did a general class at about five different yoga studios. And it was the way um, Dominique Santana Saluna came up to my hands while I was in Warrior 2 and she adjusted my fingers. Just a little bit. And I was like, I'm doing my teacher training here. You know, you make a $5,000 decision based on something like that. And... Did the training and convinced myself it was just something to do on the side and I could just teach some friends and family. Mm. Never did I envision opening yoga studios or anything like that. Um, Wasn't even a thought. And did the teaching. But before I had finished the course, I did have friends and family that wanted me to do classes for them. So I started teaching in family rooms and living rooms. And then um, I thought I'll look for a space and maybe hire a space. And I found a little organic grocer in Hawthorne. And upstairs there's this beautiful room, much like similar to the size of where we are at Bly Bly. It's polished floorboards. It's beautiful. And it was $20 an hour to rent it. That's it. So I thought, all right, let's do it. Now, I thought I'd put together a flyer. These are back in the days. So there's no social media or anything. So you use a, you use a, uh, like a software program, <laughs> probably Microsoft Word. Paint, man. Paint, man. Paint, <laughs> Come on. The things you could do with it too. It was no. it was amazing at the time. <laughs> You're next to nothing now. Yeah. So I put a photo of myself. Now remember the only photos I had were my corporate photos. Mm-hmm. So it's me with my corporate shop. As you do, yeah. You know, yeah. this one, yoga, like advertising yoga. So the f- corporate photo of Lauren, I think it was yoga with Lauren, address, phone number, maybe put the price, $20 a class yeah. or something. And I went and delivered them into letterboxes because so we didn't have any other ways of reaching people yeah. back then and just unless you did an ad in the yellow pages. Yeah. And that was going to cost a fortune. Exactly right, yeah. So I'm sending out these flyers and I started the class. I think it was just a 6 a.m. class on a Tuesday morning. Mm-hmm. Got there. My mum showed up and my sister showed up. <laughs> so that was good. Good. Yeah. And then Covered your costs. Came back the next week. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wasn't charging my family. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was running on a loss. Yeah. <laughs> But I was, was, I ha- was I having fun? Yeah. Was I fulfilled? Yeah. Yeah. Was I happy? Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there was this 6 a.m. Tuesday morning and someone else showed up that wasn't my family, but I didn't know. So I think it was now three clients in the class. Yeah. One was my mum, one was my sister, and this person's name. So I had G'd up my parent, G'd up my family and said, if someone comes in, I'm going to call you by your first name rather than mum or M. So it was Kate and Emily. So I had this full class, of course. There you go. Little by little, week after week, this, the class built up. I was able to then obviously say, oh, by the way, it's my mum and that's my yeah. sister. Um, and then it wasn't – and then I yeah, slowly added a few more classes, hired more space at $20 an hour. And then um, I thought, I'll do a little 10 pass. Again, you can't just yeah. sort of do this digitally. So I made business cards. With a clipper. With a clipper. Yes, as you do. And then there was this one night, and I said to people, if you want to buy a 10 pass, I think it was $150, yeah. you're welcome to, to buy one. But I don't have an FPOS machine or anything like that. You're going to have to bring cash. All these people brought cash. 
Oh, I'm, there's probably about 15 or 20 people in the room, yeah. and I went home with over $1,000 cash, and I remember just putting it on the desk and thinking, I just did what I love. Yeah. I'm just doing what I love, and I'm getting paid for it. Awesome. So that real moment of realisation. And it's so amazing from that visual, like that tangible cash, because when it's, you know, it it's, it's hugely symbolic. It's that worthiness It's thing. like, boom. Boom. Holy shit. It's not, you know, if it's EFT, you know, you, it's there, but it's not, but it's that physical stuff. That's awesome. You're right. It is. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, so pulling back a little bit to the teacher training. Um, so when I travel, I always look at yoga studios, where to go. Mm-hmm. And always it says how many hours the people have done in the bios or whatever it is. How does that actually work? What's the whole theory behind that? Oh, I think. 200 hour, 80 hour. Yeah, 200 is your minimum. And to then teach. Can, can, yes, to become a qualified teacher. Okay. It's 200 according to the Yoga Association, Yoga Lives. Yeah. Um, and then anything above and beyond that you can choose to do. Okay. Yeah. So, so when you take people through the training next year, which is a six-month process from what I picked up, yeah. um, how do they get their 200 hours? Is that instruction with you 200 or also doing classes Most, as well? Yes, there's both. Okay. Yeah. So it's a combination of? Contact and non-contact hours. Okay, yeah. cool. So now we cashed up. We've got $1,000. We <laughs> Jerry McGuire show me the money. Um, where to next? You obviously wow. at a crossroads, right? Crossroads, yeah. right. Got the PR business, making decent money. Got the little cashy yoga studio. And my heart is saying yoga and my mind is saying PR. Yeah. So we thought, let's just go and inquire about spaces to hire, to actually lease out completely. And we found a place in Hawthorne um, that was available and we applied for it and we were unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was shattered at the time. Like it, it, Then at this t- point in my life, I didn't understand everything's happening for you. Yeah. yeah? It was like, well, why is this happening to me? Victim. Victim. Uh-huh. Why, 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 why? And I went to sleep that night. And I think around about this time I'd fallen pregnant as mm-hmm. well. And I went to sleep and I had a kind of nice, like not very nice dream. I actually had a dream that I lost the baby. Oh, wow. But I saw branding on the two windows. I saw the business name that I wanted to work with. It was yeah. CoZen, back to front to what it is now, Zen yeah. Co. That's because the business changes later on. But it was CoZen Yoga. Oh, it's CoZen and Yoga on this one. I saw it. Wow, that's awesome. And I woke up and I was like, I can see, I can already see it like it's happening. Yeah. Again, just think it's a fleeting thought. Maybe it's just that's because that's what I want. That's what yeah. my mind's trying. But it was a bit funny to have a dream about mis- like having a miscarriage. Yeah. Um, and did you go see the doctor the next day? No, but by the end of the week I was bleeding and sure enough I miscarried that's over that crazy, following yeah. weekend. And I knew as soon as I started I was like, okay. And it was my first pregnancy. Yeah. And again, I was in victim mode. Why me? Why is it? What's wrong with my body? Why is my body breaking down a baby? I so desperately wanted to become a mother. All these sort of things. A couple of days later, and I remember the name of the agent and everything, Kenny Oliver, because I can see it ringing on the phone. Kenny Oliver called and he said, are you guys still interested in the, in the studio space? Yeah. We didn't back you because you were a startup. The other person that we had in mind, they've just found something else and we'd like to offer it to you. So here I was, 
having dreamt it, seen it, visualized it, there was no surprise that here we are opening our first yoga studio, which we did six weeks later in Hopper. And awesome. about the same time, I fell pregnant the next Again. cycle. Yeah, awesome. with Alira, my firstborn, Brilliant. who's still here and is nine years old now. There you go. So, Kozen is the first name. A couple of things there I want to drill down into, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, the dream time, super powerful if you tap into it. Do you have a dream journal? Do you write that stuff down? Do you ask for intuition when you go to bed now? Good question, because a lot of people ask me about this. I don't have the dream journal anymore because I don't tend to need to because mm-hmm. I'm pretty clear like that happened and make a decision. Yep. But I do recommend if you're in startup mode and this is new to you, definitely get journaling, get writing because if, if you want to be able to retain something. Mm-hmm. And the other part of your question was about asking. So, yeah, if I want clarity around something in my life, I will just say, what do I need to understand about? Show me. Yeah. Or so either before I go to sleep or when you do the 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 a.m., whatever it is, wake up. Obviously, bladder first, get that done. Yeah. Come back into bed. You lie in there. So you know it's not that. Yeah. Lie there and, and I'll ask the same question. What do I need to understand right now? Or show me. Or what would $10,000 look like, like if I'm needing money for a project? Yeah. Or, um, okay, I'm ready for a new teacher. I might describe him or her, what it might look like. Or this is the space I'm looking for. And I'll just get clear on it. And then inevitably it'll show up the next day, within weeks, within months, divine timing, mm. all that sort of thing. So it hasn't always worked like that. Yeah, of course, there's been, you know, there's, there's always things directing yeah. and steering. So just on the on the dream stuff, something, yeah. some advice I was given, which was hugely helpful for me in the early phases was when you when you do go to bed, command, command, you know, mm-hmm. command a, a direction and then command that you remember it because I had these crazy dreams and I couldn't remember them. And then something else that I always do still take if I'm looking for guidance is and give me the message and information that I can decipher it. So sometimes you have weird dreams about owls or starlings or, you know, which are, which are mess, I believe, messages, but if you can't decipher them and make sense, you don't know where it is. So that, that's, those are three things that I do that, that help me if I'm looking for a path. So going back then, let's, let's go back to that moment. Were you into manifestation? Did you understand dream time? No. Were you freaked out about it? When did you become really inquisitive about it? Probably not freaked out, but I was just like, oh, that's interesting. I actually had a dream that, you know, when you're in that interest, that's interesting phase. And so you you didn't go down the rabbit hole yet in terms of figuring out what this this was? Okay, cool. No. So how was it opening your first yoga studio? Let's go there. Beautiful. I was early days pregnant. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and that was Kozen. Kozen. And we put up just, eight, we did A4 sheets, same K and O and Z and E and N. Mm-hmm. Yoga across the front. And we delivered 10,000 flyers around Hawthorne. We had a scooter. I jumped on the back with my was then husband. Yeah. Um, I'd be on the back of the scooter and we'd pull up. I'd jump on, jump up, a lot of good fitness, and just yeah. we delivered these flyers. And we got to know our community yeah. and we connected with people and we built it. Great. And it was wonderful. We, we weren't saying we were the 700 Hazi father yoga teacher you know we were we were just us yeah. we just we just showed up and we we're authentic and found teachers attracted teachers that were like-minded and they started to teach classes as well and then eventually grew that to two yoga studios in melbourne and and was the prs thing still parallel at the time 
Um, it was for a little while until we opened the studio, really, because then I went into full-time teaching. Okay. And did you manage to sell it to your agency or you just kind of slowly wound it down? I sold it to my business partner. I had a oh. business partner for the last couple of years of it. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Okay. And are they still running it? No. She no. went. She had children and all that sort of thing, so no, closed down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> a killer time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So, so two studios in Melbourne, um, one kid, two kids at the stage, or one? Two by the second, I think, two, yeah. two by the second studio. Um, you made a huge pivot to move here, right, to the, to the Sunshine Coast. Just want to talk about the decision tree around that and how that, how that, what that journey looked. Did you come here to open a studio or did you just come here to come here? Or? And how stupid does it sound? Like two thriving yoga studios, two children under two, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because they were 19 months apart. 30, how stupid. 13 months, I hear you. You also said Yeah, our first two. Oh. <laughs> Glad we did it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Get, mm-hmm. get it done. Get it early. No, I've got a third that came in behind. So. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suck the punishment. They're, they're gifts. They're our teachers as well, just gifts, and also different, all with different teachings. Um, yeah, come on. you know, looking back, yeah. stupid. But like I said earlier, my brother had already moved to the Sunshine Coast, so we had had a few holidays. Had the holidays as a child with the family, couple as an as, a, as an adult. Yeah, and like what everyone else does <laughs> on, the, on the holidays on the Sunshine Coast, I think it's a pretty nice place to live. Um, sees the lifestyle. Yeah. Everything's by the ocean and there's not a lot of traffic yet. And um, we talked about it. I miss my brother a lot. I'm really close to my Mm -hmm. brother. And we just took the plunge. We decided to get a manager for the studios in Melbourne. Yep. No plans to open anything on the Sunshine Coast, young children. Let's just get ourselves to the coast and see where it takes us. We had a manager in Melbourne, so I was on the phone to the teachers a lot and we would fly in and out and have meetings and realistically it wasn't an ideal scenario yeah. because we weren't there. Yeah. And a business requires presence and energy mm-hmm. and, and the, that tribe essence had left yeah. the building, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So we were fortunate enough to sell it to okay. two yogis who had met on yoga mats in the studio, oh, started dating, yeah. and then bought the yoga studios they met in. Brilliant. Tackles that. And, and, they, and, still and, have, and they still have both of them. Gina and Zach, yeah. And have they expanded? No, they have in their family. Yoga makes you fertile. Couple of kids too, yeah, watch out. There's a couple of children, and yeah. they've just got the two going still. Okay, brilliant. And that's still Cozen. Cozen yoga. Okay, so that's all the. So we sold it and yep. then with the intention of um, around about the same time, we've decided probably time for me to, for us to open a yoga studio here. I was missing the teaching a lot. Yep. And, and were we, you practicing at the time or were you just momming? Well, a little bit here and there, yep. mostly mothering. And so we found a space in Bedina where the Bedina studio is now. Mm-hmm. Um, God, it was an old furniture shop. The place was like feral. Um, but again, like I've got pretty good visionary skills so I could walk in, fill into the energy. I was like, yeah, I can see it going up, white walls, floorboards. Yeah. And again, everything's a gamble, but it always is when you're in startup phase. You've got to just feel feel that pull and just do it anyway. So pretty much the same week that we opened the studio in Bedina, mm-hmm. we sold and settled on That's the studio in Melbourne. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Which was really a beautiful thing. Strange intervention. Yeah. And 
Were you living down south on the coast at the time? Is that why you chose that location? Or Yes. We are in Malulaba at the time. Okay, actually. so it was pretty close to there. Yeah. The, the place became available and we knew that the Kiwana shopping world, you know, with proximity to Malulaba but also the catchment down you know, towards Caloundra, we knew that was a good area. Yeah. No one was really doing much yoga around there, so that's why that spot was chosen. And, and why did you, how did you find the clientele, the coast clientele, compared to the Melbourne clientele? Well, I had no idea what to expect. <laughs> I remember going into Kiwana Shopping World one day and thinking, oh, my gosh, maybe we're in the wrong area. Like, I don't know who we're going to attract. Like, we were in Hawthorne and Ashburton, so, yeah, yeah influential areas, yeah. um, high disposable income, no issue buying a membership. They'll pay you cash, yeah. you know. Um, and the business was rolling and flowing yeah. and making a good amount yeah. of income for us to come and live <laughs> in a beautiful penthouse apartment in Malulba. Um But, that, yeah, anyway, that's another story for another day. Another shopping world. For another day. Yeah. Quite a shopping world and wondering, have we made the biggest mistake of our lives? It's, it's, let's just say the demographic, because I, when, when we emigrated, I rented in Kiwana Island, so I used to spend a lot of time in Kiwana shopping world. When was this? Uh, seven and a half years ago. Oh, similar time. Yeah, seven and a half years ago. And, um, Let's just say the demographic's pretty aged in Kiwana shopping mm. world. So the rental we in had no air conditioning and I ran my own business. So I used to go sit at the coffee club in the aircon, drinking coffee, working. It's so funny that we haven't met. Yeah, and, and just watch this that, that demographic you're talking about walk past saying this is a very weird shopping mall. Yes, and are they going to bend and stretch with us? No. <laughs> no. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, so, so how was it? Well, I spoke before about leaving Melbourne and, you know, energy and, and tribe dynamics. We opened up and we started, actually, I think I started to believe in what you put out there, you get. So I think I remember saying I want 25 people in the class, in the first class, and 24 people came. So we had a ch- quite a good time now. Oh, Facebook's out with this Facebook. Oh. So we can use social media. Okay. Yeah. Just almost seven years ago. And I remember we used social media and we actually sold an upfront annual yep. membership to someone in the area who had never even been to the studio. This is before we opened. So people are buying before seeing the studio open if, if we even know what we're teaching. And that gave me a bit of hope. Yep. I think, okay, they're buying off the energy, the idea, the concept. So I have a friend who bought one of those early. Do you? Yes. And he, and he actually uses you as a use case. Because because yeah. he was saying because the so off, because the offer was because he, he actually so low, so good the so good yeah because yeah. I mean, he actually does online offers for big companies mm-hmm. and for a lot of the gyms that are close to us here but he, that's what he does you know because he puts offers and he was he referred to your studio as your offer was so good that he didn't want to give it up so good not to exactly mm-hmm. so he said if he ran the numbers he probably went to one yoga class a year but he didn't want to give it up because the value was. So he actually uses you as a use case where there's such a brilliant way to get cash flow into your business. You didn't want to give it up yeah. because because you'd never get it back. So, but anyway, so mm. I, I, I'm aware of that option. Mm, cool, mm. awesome, yeah, and, and it that worked, worked well. And it worked really well. And it, as I said, you know, your friend plus many others are still on affordable monthly memberships and annual memberships as well. Based and they're, they're bread and butter clients. Yeah. I look after them. They look after us. Mm. They're the reason we exist. And through COVID, they kept paying. Yeah. So did a lot of clients when we closed our studios. Kept saying we want to keep Zenko alive and we'll keep paying our memberships. Mm. It's awesome, huh? Eh? Yeah. But that's the tribe thing, right? Because it's family. I mean, it's, yeah. 
Yeah. I make I make jokes often, you know, I open yoga studios to extend my family and make friends because I don't want to go and hang out with the people at Kiwana Shopping World. I want to attract my own people into my life. Yeah, my Googling te- Kiwana Shopping World. <laughs> my teachers and my besties. Yeah, yeah. You know, the people I choose. I want to hang out with them. Yeah. Same with my clients. I, I love my clients so much. We're all so close. So nothing makes me happier than seeing the clients go to Coffee Club, like we used to hang out, yeah. and connect and be together and do business together, exchange together, yeah. date together, whatever, insert it. It's incredible what's growing that seven years. So you got that up and running successfully. Um, was the next expansion to move up to Noosa or how did, how did it all, from my understanding, Noosa was the next or was that right? Well, something really big happened just before that. Let's go. So a year after opening the studio, mm-hmm. um, my husband and I separated. Mm-hmm. So that shook <laughs> Took the community probably. He wasn't teaching a lot of classes, not that they knew him, but I was shaken. And I'm telling you, like having a, a there were three and two years of age, the girls, and or just maybe four and four and two, showing up to class every day was so hard. I didn't have family here, apart from my brother. So I literally showed up to the studio and be like, hey, have you ever looked after kids before? Because like, I knew the clients. Like Tanika, for example, she's gone on to do other things, but I'd be like, Knew her, loved her. I'm like, could you look after my kids this afternoon for a couple of hours so I can come to a class? Yeah. And this is how I grew nannies, accountants, teachers, the whole lot, you name it. I was supported. Senko yeah. supported me. And I'm telling you, I would be bawling my eyes out some days and I'd open that door and I'd pull up the computers and I'd show up. Because yeah. A, the yoga practice healed me, helped me, held me. B, the tribe did. And C, yoga teaches you to get out of your own way. Mm-hmm. Like when you're in service... And you're holding space for people. Your staff, it's got to go. You've got to park it to the side and show up. So a few things on that, and mm-hmm. thank you for sharing, by the way. Um, just the family aspect. So, you know, I'm assuming your family's together, so your parents. Yeah. Um, how did they react and, and how was that a sense of disappointment having that conversation with them and, 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 and how did that all play out that side where they're just 100% supportive? Because it is, for, I'm just, I'll, I'll project my stuff, right? Yeah. It, for me, it was the white picket fence mm, comes tumbling down. That's and, the vows, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's everything that, that you, you hoped. And, I mean, as I always said, no one looks down the hole wishing to get divorced, right? Mm. <laughs> Some people do. That's more for financial gains. <laughs> um, that's another podcast altogether. But but it's that like, oh shit, I failed at something. I failed. And and that was huge for me because I don't like to fail at failed stuff. Failed in your cho- choices, yeah. And, and and the responsibility for your kids. I didn't want my kids to come up in a broken home. I didn't want that for them. Now I'm so thankful that they have me for me, right? They have all of me. And and I'm thankful that it's all happened. But wrestling, I guess the question is wrestling with all that those inner demons which I'm assuming you went through as well but then having to present yourself as a zen person right how, every day you know, how, how, did, how did you wrestle with that people I, just I, thought that everything was awesome in my life yeah and it was far from awesome dealing with what I was dealing with and raising children and communicating mm-hmm. for lack of a better word with a man who I had to now co-parent with which had its challenges and still does. Yep. But every day I'm grateful for his teachings and, and for, him, for him being alive and fathering my children. Um, the biggest realisation 
that made me really surrender because I had the massive guilt, yes, like the picket fence broke down. <laughs> um, but the realisation that my children chose, they chose, they saw it before they even got here. I'm going to find a mummy and daddy that are together, opening these studios, and they're going to separate. Yeah. And that they saw it all coming and that they called it in and this is very much a part of their story and their teaching and their learning and goodness knows how they're going to go on and, and share it with the world. And when I dropped into that, which wasn't immediately, which was you know probably some time on, I was able to really surrender and just say, okay, so they've chosen. Because it is, it's massive guilt to think I, I failed. I was the one that wanted to be the happy marriage, you know, the breakdown of the family unit. Mm. When you think you've got it all together and you can hold it together through through what is it, vows, through sickness and through yeah, all that, language, yeah. you know. I was that person. I signed. I looked him in the eyes. Yeah. And that breaks down for you. And, you, yeah, you sit with that sense of failure. But you've got to turn that into trust, into this happening for me, for the children, mm. for both and so then we can probably move into the question you went to ask me. What has happened since? I just want to, if yeah. we don't mind pausing there yeah. for anyone listening who, who is struggling, and this mm. is so, so important, you know, I know a lot of people see me and I know people a lot of see you and say, oh, you're thriving and thriving and thriving. But the key point is all of us have been to hell and back, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. And that's why we share what we share. So if you are dark, if you are in a hole, if you are there, it's okay. We've all been there. You know, we've all had our scars and we've all wounded and, and helped help them recover. So I just wanted to pause there before before we go on to say it's okay to be fucking broken, right? It's a shit fight when it you're is. there. It is. Man. You cannot see your way out. Mm. You actually can't even envision how you're going to get the next meal into you. Mm. I remember I couldn't even eat. I was, I was just having smoothies and liquids and some of those liquids had a percentage value on that. Oh, I drank, I drank a lot. <laughs> I would too because I remember, Dan Murphy having, <laughs> I remember having the drink. And I'm a yogi, right? I remember the drink and as soon as it hit my mouth, I went, I can handle this. I, because I used it as an escape, I wanted to switch off from it all. And of course I did it, but I owned up to it and eventually came back to the basics, which is what yoga teaches us. What can I do in this moment? So those people who are going through something similar, what can I do in this moment? What needs to be done? And you come back to survival. I can prepare myself a meal. I've got to feed my children and I can only deal with this day. And I think that's, it's just, I got back into that survival mode one thing at a time. Yeah. And it, it is that survival. Yeah. It, it is that step by step, right? Yeah. And and yeah, as I always say, um, this is through everyone's at the moment coming. Mm. How, how did that relationship serve you? Mm. And a lot of people, and I'm dealing with so many new clients at the moment, specifically all women. Even though I was trying to help guys, it's you know it's it's leading me in another way. And, and these people are longing and missing for these relationships. And I'm like. You know, you, you're longing for what you wanted it to be, not for who the person is, A, and B, how does that actually serve you? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm like, I know it doesn't help you now while you're hurting. Every fiber hurts, but try to remember that and then you know, look forward. But there should, I should, don't like that word, sorry, but <laughs> if we can come to a place within us as humans and realize that we can fill our own selves up, there should be no wanting, no needing, no asking, no requiring of any other being in our lives. 
That's the There's holy benefits ground, right? to a relationship, sure. There's, of course. But we need to find out what are those things that broke down, what are those things that I'm missing? And it might be I miss the security, I miss the companionship, I miss the fun. So how can I find all of that in my life with the current relationships and friendships that are in my life to fill that aspect of myself up? So I can resonate with that so much. Mm. Huge abandonment issues. Mm. Like my, my, uh, my ex-wife had multiple affairs and my parents just owned me because I stayed in marriage and then they died, right? And she ran off with another dude. So my whole story, and I use this in air quotes because it is my story and it's all bullshit, right, was... Well, how can I love myself if no one else has loved me? And, and I was pretty adamant to hang on to that story mm-hmm. until, and this is where this year has been sensational for me. Even though I've been coaching and helping people, I never truly loved myself, never looked after myself, never nurtured myself. And as I've gone into evolving and as we all evolve and ascend through time, if you figure out that one thing, like self-love, that's simple, filling your cup, everything else is cool. That's my take. And it's so simple. Yes. Yet so simple not to do it. Absolutely. And this is the issue. It's like meditation. Mm. So simple to do it. How easy to sit there and observe your thoughts. Right now, I think you could do that. Mm. But how simple is it to avoid it? Turn the TV on, grab the drink, do something else, go somewhere, check your scroll. We can fill our days up. Right? Conscious choice every single moment of the day. Mm. Meditate five minutes spend some time myself for five minutes, feel myself up. It's, it's incredibly empowering when we realise that we're simple beings and what the simple tools are that we can give to ourselves on a daily basis and some of them is just sitting in and being grateful for mm. what we have. We sometimes just forget, you know, the clothing that we have. All these, there's, there's so many tools that we can learn through yoga and other mindfulness practices that bring us back. And I know that, you know, I want to keep coming back to those people who are feeling that dark places where we felt so desperately for, for, for years, you know, ebbs, ebbed and flowed. And, you know, I had a psychologist who I was referred to through the police and she actually said to me, she said, you are experiencing PTSD. And I said, I know what that is. I help people with that. I was completely unaware that I was experiencing it. What do I do? And we went back to the basics. What are the basic things that I need to do for me to fill myself up? And it was eat, drink, water. Water. <laughs> water. Move. Yeah. Move the body. Get out in nature. Practice gratitude. They're really simple. And they say even if you're not anywhere around nature, you can pick up a rock. You can pick up a piece of, of, of nature or earth and say thank you. Yeah. yeah one of my teachers... Their, one of their practices is every time they fall a bottle of water, they just bless it and say mm. thank you. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. Just gratitude, 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 mm. gratitude. Mine's when I put the kettle on. I stay there with the kettle while it boils. Is that true? Because, well, you know, it's going to beep at me at some point. <laughs> I stay there, I stop, and I look out, and I look at all the things I'm grateful for in my home and my life. And I... Googling quick kettles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's I an mean, anchor for me. Yeah. So, thank you. That's cool. Okay, so, 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 so we've gone through our dark days. We, we're going to look at the good things. And thanks again for sharing that stuff. Cool. Um, so we divorced, separated. That's a shit show. Let's just leave that. Um, when did you find strength to open up the next studio? Um, I had a vision 
come back to that vision again, of a studio space in Noosa. I guess it's an ideal location. Yeah. Um, one so day. For those, sorry, those who don't know, Noosa is like the exclusive of the exclusive. Like yeah. If you're on the coast, that's where all the people with money live, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. And it is superb. Oh, sensational. It's just yeah. gorgeous, Mason Street. It's a beautiful spot. And I envisioned a studio in Noosa, and of course, I had all the limiting beliefs, like you all have been listening to this and think, oh, once I have, insert word. I'll do it once I have money. The kids are older, whatever it might be. And I went to, um, I'd run networking events and things like that, call them conscious conversations now. And one of my mentors, who's also a client, um, said to me, do you have plans to open up in Noosa? I said yes, but I told her my limiting belief. Mm -hmm. So insert story. Yes, however. (laughs) And she said to me, no. She said, no, Lauren, it's happening. And that was the kicker I needed, you know, which is why I probably come back to the dark. Sometimes just having a conversation with another person, whether it's a mentor or just a trusted friend, they can just help you have the conversation that you'd otherwise not be able to have with them. Yeah. So I just thought, I'll just go and look. Doesn't hurt to look, does it? No, you, did she have a space or were you looking no, for space? No. Okay, so you look at that. Well, I lived in Bedina and I had two kids at school and I was teaching classes and rushing home yeah. and then trying to make my lunch around doing admin. And I thought to myself, I don't have time to road trip 30 minutes up to Noosa. But first, I made, first world problems. Right. <laughs> I made time. And I do remember driving, where Noosa Studio is now, yeah. I do remember driving past the site and thinking, that would make a good yoga studio up there. Mm-hmm. Fleeting thought, continued to drive, found a, an agent who showed me through a lot of spaces. And I remember she'd have to prepare, like, the owners and the landlords before I got there. She'd just go, I'm just, just so you know, Lauren. Like, she knows what she wants. She'll walk in and walk out. Don't be offended. She works with energy. Yeah. She knows what she wants. She'll yeah. feel it. Yeah. And I did. I walked in and walked out places all the time. No. <laughs> no, I don't want to. I don't care about the car park. I don't care about the toilet. I don't want to hear it. It's, just, it's not right. Because yeah. I know I've got to hold space for people to do this inner work, this mm-hmm. healing, mm-hmm. this stuff that we have to work on constantly. There's hundreds and thousands of people who are going to be coming into our spaces to do that work. It's going to be beautiful and it's going to invite that healing because we pride ourselves. Senko was beyond a bend and a stretch. Eventually she called me one day and it's funny because I thought I saw her driving on the street and then I saw her calling through my car and I'm like, oh, that's funny. She's calling. She must have just seen my car because I have my car branded. And she says to me, Lauren, whatever her name was, I'm inside a space up in Noosa that I think you're going to love. And I was like, what's the address? And she told me. I plugged it into the sat-nav and I just headed straight up. And guess what? Drove into that location. So do you think I need to walk into the building? No. As I turned into the driveway. Did you go where the organic place is now? Is that where you drove in? That side or the back side? Front side. Front side, yeah. Where the cafe is. Yes. Yeah. Drove in, like I'm turning the, the wheels into the driveway. I've already agreed, I've already said yes. I'm, we're opening in Noosa, right? It's happening, Sweet. happening. Yeah. But of course, I played it cool and from the landlord, oh, Ralph Rogers. Um, so I meet the agent, meet Ralph, um, and walked up and you know, turned my nose up and all that sort of thing. I'm being very business like, not very interested. Oh, I don't know, not, not me the right size, not sure about the car parking, don't know about the location, Nooseville. Not sure. Yeah. Secretly going. Doo, 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 doo. <laughs> um, and it wasn't easy. 
Because um, we went home, made an offer, eventually agreed on price, but there was some, um, and this is what I, I like to tell the story because a lot of us think, oh, that's okay, you know, she's queen, manifesto. She just put it out there and she got it. Well, I put it out there, planted the seed of intention, but the road wasn't easy. So it was six months at least, I think, until we opened up because it wasn't zoned for what we wanted to do. Yeah. So things had to change with the council. And Noosa Council is, is, can be challenging to work with, which is why Noosa is what it is today. Yeah. Um, so there were some blockages along the way and things that steered me, but I had this trust by then. I started to understand the trust in, in, mm. in the yoga that everything is happening for me, for this tribe, and there is such things as divine timing. And we opened on the 14th of November, must be 2000, I can't remember the day, 18, um, and it was 16. It was a super moon. And there was just this divine energy and work at play. And we opened, all we did is the social media announced it, and people came. And I, I just asked that the right people come, that they feel the pull towards mm. Zenko, and they come. And that was um, four years ago last week. That's awesome. I actually went there for the first time on Saturday. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's magic. I actually went, went uh, early morning, took the jet skis up to Granite's. We were foiling for like three hours. As you do. As you do. And then I was pretty broken physically, so there was a slow flow at 9.30. Perfect. So I had a cup of coffee and a slow flow, and I oh. eased my way home. Not a, not a terrible way to have a Saturday. It doesn't get any better than that. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. And we've got a lot of times like this. We would just make a day out of it, yeah. come up, do a class at Noosa. Well, I use all of them because I'm... As I've said, my kids drive up, basically. That's what I put on this video at the moment. So... It's fresh yet. This too shall pass. Oh, no. I mean, my eldest stops driving in 11 months. It scares me. Oh. Jesus. Trust, trust, trust. Unless you have to play music. So, um... Found Noosa. Found Noosa. Noosa. That's six-month time. I mean, yeah. as much as it had been divine intervention getting the handle on the single parenting juggle, that'll probably also give you that space, right, to, to, to settle and prepare and get ready. And yes. So you weren't like, oh, shit, juggling, juggling. You were still juggling, but it gave you that space, right? Yeah. And I'm now starting to learn about the power of manifestation. And I remember I was living in Bedina and I said to the universe, well, I need a house to rent now in, in Noosa, don't I? And um, I just put it out there. I, I pretty much described it and we got it. Go so, a so, rental. I've had a few rentals around Nusa and Castaways yeah. Beach since, but again, I'll just ask and call it in. And you moved. So then you moved up to Nusa. Yeah, not long after opening the Nusa studio. Okay. And who was teaching now? Did you have other teachers running the dino, oh, or do you yeah. still keep try to bounce I'm between running the two? them? Um, yeah. But yeah, I've, we've got fifty teachers now. Do you? Yeah. That's crazy. Just a tribe of awesome human beings. Yeah. Most who have come through our training courses. Okay. And then the next one was Blind Law, obviously, which is where we're sitting today. Yeah. And what's this been? Probably about a year or so? 2-2-20. So February this year. So when coming up to the year. Okay. And how did this come about? Because this is a, also a new thriving area. Well, you know how they say, be careful what you wish for and what you put out there. There's a, there's a Ke- Kelly Clarkson song, right? Is it? Careful of you wish for, might, you might just get it all. <laughs> I didn't know she sang that. She did. And that's how when she won idols, you might just get it all. See up the shows, shows, yeah, yeah. Got TV, I, I got the tweens and um, shows that I don't put the TV on too much. I don't know much what goes on outside of our bubbles of Zenko yoga. Yeah. Well, there you go, some Kelly Clarkson. Thank words. you so no, much. Worries, no worries. Um, yeah, I was asked to, we won a business award um, in 2018 and I got asked to speak quite a lot since then and I was speaking at an event 
And I just told the audience, as you do, if you want to manifest something, that Zenko is growing. <laughs> We've got two studios and we want to open more yoga studios on the Sunshine Coast. And I just mentioned it. And um, a couple of days later, Michael White from White's IGA, yeah. who owns this building where we're sitting now, he rang me and he said, hi, Laura, it's Michael from... IGA, um, we've got a space in Bly Bly you might be interested in. Do you want to come have a look? What was my first response? Um, absolutely. No, opposite. Serious? Yeah, Why? you've got to be careful about your first responses. Because it wasn't something I thought of, I just straight away said no. I was kind of looking more cool and calendar as our next yeah. places. I hadn't considered it. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to say no first. And even though you pushed it out there, and and this is part of part of part of my learning, so I'm, is yeah. you need to be open to everything. You need to be. And I'm bad at that because I have we're pretty tunnel vision. I'm working for because there's tunnel vision on that. But if you are open to anything, if you ask things, where things come, um, mm. they come in all different packages, right? Really, um, um, <laughs> If we're getting into it, bring it back, blah blah. Bring it back, blah blah. Studio. So, uh, okay. So you said no, and then saw the space. Or how did that whole? How did you deal with that internally? <laughs> he said, "Well, you said you wanted to expand across the Sunshine Coast, and blah blah is a growth growth area." Yeah. And I thought to myself, "Yes, who are you to say no? You can at least come and look at the space yeah. because we've learned so far that I like to walk into spaces and yes, yes or no within 30 seconds, right? Yeah. Same when you meet someone, you get a feeling instantly. So I walked in, of course, it looked nothing like this. It was a work site. Mm. And um, I just looked out there as you are now, Clint. Saw the castle, saw the trees, saw the light, and just envisioned people in the space. And that was it? Almost. Yeah. Um, it was a yes inside, like it was at Noosa, that cheeky little, shh, yes, I'm so excited. I can see this. It's happening. It's happening. I can visualize it. Actually, I made a, an offer and it wasn't accepted. And yeah. there was a period of time, quite a long time. And I didn't chase it. He didn't chase it. And then there was what's called divine timing, where I think one of us must have made contact again. And then I made, maybe I made another offer the same way, <laughs> different, different way of saying offer. And he must have come back with something and we came to an agreement. And I was at the first class at your Marukjido studio, which we'll get to in a bit. Um, so I think there's an amazing lesson in that. But, mm. but also, same thing, huge community pool here when you open. How, how did that open in over? Beautiful. We always do like a ceremonial blessing for the space with mm. all the teachers. And I just put the feelers out. I just you know, can sense people around Bly Bly and those within proximity that feel the call and need to be here, they'll arrive mm. and they'll come in their own time. Yes, of course we do our marketing, of course we do our social media, of course we're delivering flyers yep. and we'd give away, you know, do competition giveaways and that sort of thing. Um, but at the end of the day, I sit in trust. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So so before we get into the Marucid or COVID thing, so you, yeah. you obviously do a whole heap of other stuff, right? Which I think yes. is important. So there's just uh, doing my research. Very good, there's, man. Re- yeah, there's retreats, you do one-on-one coaching, teacher training. How, how did that, all the other aspects of, you know, single mom, two kids, now three studios. Four. Four, what? Oh, so at this point in time. Slowly. You run ahead in the future always. <laughs> 
we press and blow. Um, um, when did, you know, obviously because retreats is a big, from my perception, a big yoga thing. When did those start? When did the one-on-one coaching start? All that, like, how did that all involve that other aspect of your business? We do survey our clients every year. I send mm-hmm. out a survey form and we're pretty well, as I like to say, Senko is a feedback-driven business. We're driven by what people want. We want a gentle class. We want whatever it might be. There's that. And then there's, of course, me sitting in meditation and all the wonderful things that drop into my mind. Mm. Now, um, as a visionary, I've come to learn and accept that not every one of my ideas is actually a good one. There's a really good book, Rocket Fuel. You read it? No. It's about visionaries and integrators. So yeah. a visionary needs an integrator, you know, like yeah, the yeah, you know that, that, know that concept. Yeah. You know the concept. So I'm <laughs> very much a visionary. Um, and not, you know, one to two out of ten of my ideas might actually be worth following through. So I get these ideas and then you sort of put it out there and you just see what the community come back with and, and see what grows and what flows. And some, some things say, come for a short while, some go, oh, I've had experiences where I've promoted a retreat, did one in Hawaii, booked the accommodation and the flights, put it out there, posters everywhere. Six weeks later, got the pool to cancel it. I mean, talk about emotional female. I can't say any of that. I don't know. <laughs> you know only too well. I choose the first right. What do the Americans say? Embrace, embracing our divine feminine. Yeah. I had to pull it, called it. We got our full refund back mm. on it. Because, like I said, same with the news, not everything, you know, the visionary, looking back, yeah, there are probably some signs along the way, not everything comes to, to fruition. And so, and this is a question I ask myself every day, where am I best spending my energy? And we talk about it in yoga, brahmacharya. It's a wise use of energy. There's studio classes, yes. There's the therapies. We've got 15 therapists here that are treating, as you see, the therapy room around the classes. There's the teacher training. There's the workshops, courses, immersions. And it all comes together, but not on my own. So I find good team members who support me, support the vision, and we pull it together. Of course, you know, I've got business hats that we pl- we're planning into 2021 and 2022 retreats at the moment. I make time for that. I speak to the clients. I'm here at the studios as well, and I ask yeah. them what they want. What were The workshops we were doing four, five, seven years ago are very different to what we're doing now. So we're responding to trends. We're, we're, we're keeping up with what people want. Did that answer your question? It did. It mm. just, I guess, inquisitive mm. follow-up. As a visionary, how did you, and probably because I'm asking for myself, <laughs> uh, how did you find the good integrator? Obviously, you know, understanding the different roles of the detail-oriented implementer compared to us who is out there, right? Um, how did you let yourself let go, I guess, of the control of that vision and just say, you know what, I can... I can whiteboard the shit all day, but then I actually need someone. When do you start leveraging on other people around you to help you implement your visions? Um, I guess from a state of desperation when I needed help, um, that was good. Yeah. Um, so recently, straight out of separation, living in a house on my own with two children, so yeah. like parenting, you know, all week, um, every week. And so I got someone to come and help me with phone calls and then help me do a little bit of admin. So that grew. Mm. As far as as an integrator is concerned, that's someone who kind of reads your mind and makes shit happen when you can't. Because I'm not very good at sitting down and making much happen. i got ideas, but someone else has to put that Mm -hmm. out. Otherwise, I'm off on the next tangent, you know. 
Um, so I've had team members over the years um, that have supported me, but it's only actually been this year where I've put someone on full-time Okay. who does that role. And has it been a huge relief for you? Yes. Even, like, even today coming in, I'm, like, I'm so more able to work on business yeah. and be more of me. Bring more. Like, I actually – people say, oh, when do you teach so many classes? Because I actually – I'm in business to do what I want in life. Yeah. I love teaching. I'm a healer. I'm a light worker. Yeah. I work with energy. I want to be here in the yoga studios with people. The computer bit, I don't want to do much of that. My dream is to eventually not open the computer screen. Someone else does all that for me. I just arrive and work magic. That's what I need. To, where I'm trying to get to. That's my vision. And that's the irony for any business owners out mm. there. And I've run my own business for God knows how long, forever is many people go into business for freedom. Freedom is a word you use often in the beginning. Right? Correct. But, but we bury ourselves in the bullshit paperwork and the admin stuff that we can outsource. Totally. And, we're not, and the key word you use, they're not working on the business. None of us actually work on our business. We squirrel away doing stuff that doesn't help us grow and expand, which then gives us the freedom that we long for and crave for. And that's a huge lesson that I've had in my life. Me too. Mm. Because we get stuck in working in the business. Mm. And you talked, you touched up before about that letting go, and I didn't actually really answer it very well because I didn't I actually forgot. Um, <laughs> it has been the ultimate surrender. And yoga teaches us that, how to let go. And so, like I said, remember I was in a place of desperation, so I yep. got someone else to do the phone calls in the admin. Little by little, I surrendered, I let go. I mean, now my team have got all my passwords, they, they've got my credit card. There's so much trust and surrendering, I said, oh, that's too much. Um, so it's been a journey to let go and surrender and to trust that, how's this? Maybe someone could do an even better job than me. And guess what? I found those people. I've got better teachers than me. I've got better marketers. I've got better writers, better administrators. Kelly cooks me as well, cooks my food. She cooks better than me. What am I doing? That's right. I'm still teaching. (laughs) Just joking. So it's finding those people that can actually do those things better than you. Do I try and do my accounts? No. Did I have to in the first place? Yes. yes, but now I have, you know, a bookkeeper and, and, and an accountant, and they do it. Yes, I keep my eye on, you know, think on yeah. the calls. I'm aware of what's coming and going. Do I need to waste my time and my energy? When we talk about Brahmacharya and wise years of energy, is Lauren best spending Mondays going over bookkeeping? No. No. But may, can we make those realisations as business owners and be abundant enough to put money towards paying someone to do that job better than us when we know and trust that more will flow in. Well, it's, yes, and that now there's fine abundance, right? I love that topic. But okay. it's the ebb and flow. Right? I mean, if you, if you hoard and you hold and you're stingy, then, then you're stopping the circle. You're stopping the flow. It's, it's like the key thing. And if you, if you look at the way I look at it, I mean, I've run a tech business for years, right, is that I can do the consulting work for X amount of dollars per hour or I can be me, meet everyone and get million dollar contracts. Like where's my time best spent? You know, trying to slave the work and not get someone else to do it or, or be the face and, you know, and do that. It's mm. just, but as business owners, I've spent so much time. Get stuck. I know, it's stuck crazy. There. And it's so important that we come up, lift back up and out and just keep asking us these big questions like, well, for what purpose? Mm. Why am I here? What am I serving? And what is it costing me doing that? 
And then, of course, trusting in the flow of abundance, the right people come along, using our vision and that intuition, seeing it, visualising it, creating it and attracting it. So let's, let's pull to this year, right? It's been a wonderful year. This is, 2020 has been my, my personally the best year I've ever had in my life. It's been sensational. Let's put it out there. What you make of it? Oh, it's been, it's been phenomenal for me. Um, for, for the, let's put it, the gym, health and fitness industry, it's been brutal. If we look at it on paper, I mean, mm-hmm. shut down, like mm-hmm. close the doors, no warning, kunk. Um, I just want to talk about how you dealt with that, process that, because it's bigger than all of us. Um, and then the awesome part of the story is that you opened up a new studio in the middle of all of it. Sounds stupid, um, doesn't it? No, I think it's amazing. So I just want to talk about how you personally dealt with adversity, how you, you know, you mentioned earlier on about the tribe around you, but then how you just followed your intuition once again to open, to expand mm. in the midst of COVID. Mm. Of course, none of us saw it coming. And immediately I was teaching yoga classes online. Because with a big tribe following and a knowing that there was a lot of people out of work immediately and in desperate need of yoga and meditation at such a time, mm-hmm. it was this, this duty of care for me to show up online. So I, And I do have a yoga online business background because I had a, yeah. um, an online yoga studio, which I ended up, this is all amongst everything else that's been going on the last few years, but I did... Um, resign and sell my shares to my partners. Okay. Um, so I have experience with mm. teaching online. So I basically, you know, we've got a Facebook group. Where there was currently about 600 tribe members. We call them tribe members. Thanko Yoga was sitting in there and we just did a couple of posts. Hey, guys, we're going to do online classes now. If you're not already in the Facebook group, jump on in and join. There's now 1,100 people in there. Classic. So we doubled numbers within weeks. And it wasn't just me. I've got teachers as well mm. that just said, and didn't want payment. They were like, I'll just jump on on Tuesdays and I'll do a Tuesday morning class. So I did online content every day, sometimes twice, sometimes three times daily. And it, was, it wasn't it was even an effort for me. It was no nothing draining me. I had the kids at home. Sometimes the kids came in and out. I did kids' classes. And I just kept showing up mm. because it was so important to me that those people on the other side of the screen were supported through such a challenging time. And guess what? I was challenged having closed the studios, having lost you know, a significant amount of income. Mm. And it filled me up just as much as it was filling others up. Yeah. And how were your landlords at the time? Was I mean, was it just because of those good relationships that people were understanding? Or because I mean, yes, I know. There must have been a huge financial yeah. burden. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I, we, I didn't earn a cent for six months. Yeah. Worst, yes, worst yeah. case scenario. Yes, I know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So it depends. I can't say too much on a podcast, no, can I? But who, some, some are very supportive and some not so supportive. I've, re- I've been sued a few times. I've got lawyers. Don't worry. I've received I've received numerous lawyers' letters from this podcast. So don't worry. I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm I, it's fine. That was awesome. Bring send, it. Send them to me. Bring send it. Them to me. Okay. Well, I mean, that's just a bit disappointing. So we won't focus on that. Give yoga. Those people that are upset at all. We can just give them a free week of yoga. Jump on the website. Use the code ZEN. Don't pay for dollars for a week of yoga. Come do some yoga and sit. What I've learned is an attorney for $1,000 an hour will write anything you want them to. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if there's no substance, you'll still get loads of Because someone's getting the ball. That's right. Yeah. It was a tough time. Yeah, yeah. it was definitely a tough time. And, and having the... 
the kids at home. How, how, did, how did you find that? I love that I wasn't driving to the studios, mm. and I loved you know boogie boarding down the beach and having them at home and taking an interest in their learning and becoming a school teacher at the household. Mm. You know, I embraced it like all of us did. I didn't. I wasn't probably as you know, like I said, I'm not very good at performing. <laughs> so I probably I could have done more. But we did a lot of outdoor education. We, we went to New Everyday Surfing. So my, we, oh, we saw you there. So my, my eldest best friend literally moved in with us for four months. And, and, and the, we, the, I said to them, okay, if you finish your assignments, you finish, you have to show me the laptop. Because they're 15, right? They can manage themselves. I'm like, you've got to show me your laptop. If all your assignments are handled, we'll go surfing. So we okay. basically do that. And then we go surf at New Surf for like till sunset. It was the best time. I'm on the beach too. We, we spent a lot of our days on time. the beach. Come home, dry off, do it all over again, yep. go back down for sunset. Gosh, those sunsets. That time of year, March, April, May. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Superb. Such a fun time. If I, if I, no one on Noosa Beach. No. no, you'd get there. There'd be one or two people at that on the beach. amazing. I, I was at that stage, so part of my big vision is to you know, end up, when my kids are in uni, is have a catamaran in South Pacific surfing, and then between you know, here and there, that's... And if, if, if the kids didn't have their mom here, which is obviously an important part of their life, I would have them on a catamaran in the South Pacific right now Beautiful. because we had such an amazing bond and so much quality time together. We weren't hassling, we weren't sporting, we, weren't, we were just together. It was, it was a very special time, very, very special time. Yeah. And, I mean, my kids have mentioned something about it this morning. Like, that's our take on it. Like, our children who usually see us running businesses, working our computers or up on the kitchen benches, our children saw us slowing down, surfing with them. Like, they're not going to forget that time. No. Mm. Well, I'm now like, well, I'm not going to check my email because I've got mm. nothing anyway. <laughs> it's like, nah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so let's talk about how the, amidst those immensely challenging times, um, your fourth studio, just want to talk about how that all ha- I mean, I know you told the story on your opening, but just, just tell everyone how that all mm. came, came to fruition. I think I made a joke, and you've got to be careful with your jokes as well, don't you? Because you manifest those. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm getting a new I'm getting a new car tomorrow, <laughs> and I justified to everyone, which I shouldn't have, for selling my original my car I've got now. And I'm saying, oh, I'm just getting a new car because my old one's going to break down. So I'll break See, down. see, this is thank you very much for proving my point. In the last ten days, five thousand two hundred dollars fixing my old car that I'm selling tomorrow. Yeah, so yes, be careful what you joke about. Even your little one-liners, you are manifesting. If not now, sometime in the future. I spoke to one of the spiritual guides I use because I've got some other transitions happening in my life, and she said, "What's happening with your car?" I'm like, "Oh," she says, "You know better than that." Like, I do. Anyway. So what's happening to our car is also what's happening to us, right? Yes, but yes. Carry on. I got one of my best visions when my car broke down up Virgin when pouring okay. rain late at night. And I had to go and get a taxi, jerry can, do all that bit. And I was, remember putting the um, fuel in the car. Yeah. This minute, my car's branded, and I was like crying. And I just all of a sudden saw cameras on me. And that's when I got vision to I need to do online yoga and that's become awesome. a live yogi. So before live was even a thing, you could just pull up your screen and do a live. Yeah. And I went into the petrol station. I was pretty upset because I'd just spent a whole lot of money and stank of the stuff. And the lady said to me, Oh my gosh, how are you so 
calm. I've just saw your. She's and then she's like, and, and now I know. She's, I saw her because obviously the taxi brought me in first. I'm like, hi, can I please buy a jerry can? And I'll be back. See you soon. And you know, go back on the taxi and back out to find the car and back in. And she said to me, how little did she know? I wasn't very calm inside. But she said, how? I was wondering when you came in to get a jerry can. You were very calm. She said, but it wasn't too. You drove back in now. I realised, oh, yoga. <laughs> but and I said to her, I said, do you know what? I was actually. I just got vision on something that I want to do yeah. um, with, with filming live. So I'm actually really grateful for this experience that I just had. And she just said to me, oh, my God, what an awesome person you are, that you've turned something negative into a positive. And then I said, oh, trust me, I've had some experience with doing that. And then she actually said to me, she said, well, I feel really inspired. I think she was having some marital issues and yeah. she recently become a single mom. And we ended up actually getting along with this great conversation. Like I said, our stories can help other people, <laughs> even if it's at the petrol station late at night. Amen. Cool, huh? Yeah, I know. That's, yeah. that's freaking awesome. So, back so to when our cars door. are breaking down, sometimes something's breaking down within us to make a, a change, steer another direction. So, yeah, making jokes about things that might happen. I made a joke during COVID that oh, this would be a good time to acquire some yoga studios. Kind of a bit cheeky, really. can't think of it. But, you know, anyone that doesn't want to come back up after, yeah. after COVID, maybe if we're wanting to grow, there's spaces that become available. Yeah. Just a thought. Just put it out there. And beautiful Heather, who owned Maruchador Yoga Centre on Delton Drive, where we are now, she rang me, and it was early COVID days, and she said, look, Lauren, I've taken my business online and at home. She's doing really well, actually, and she said, I just don't need to keep paying the rent, and are you interested? No, of course. My first answer? No. No. Getting used to it now. No. I've got you figured <laughs> you got out. got me really well done, Pat. When Lauren says no, maybe she means yes. Be <laughs> careful what you yeah, ask. Yes, means no, right? <laughs> Hmm. That's another podcast. And I said no. And then I had a chat. I said, send me some photos. I'll think about it. I said, because I want to, I want to help her. And then I'm like, am I coming from a place of saving someone? You know, all these things go through your mind. I want to save her. I want to help her. Anyway, just sort of let it sit. End up writing an email saying, thank you very much, but no, thank you. All the best. And then, um, you know, Anastasia let us open up. And we opened the studios, and I just got this idea one day. I just thought, I'm just going to go and see Heather. Mm. So I called her up and I said, look, I'll come and have a look. <sighs> I should have done that. Mm. Because I stepped foot in. And I was all over again. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> oh, no, I've got the feeling. It's a pain. It's really, really, yeah. it's, it's in here. And I'm like, I've got to do something with this place. I don't want to see it turn around and turn into a goodness knows what shop yeah. in the corner. So, long story short, made an offer, wasn't accepted, time, heels, all. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually we decided and came to an agreement and we opened in Maroochydore in, you know, 2020, stupid time to do it. I borrowed money from my parents. They used to be picking up the phone, Mom, I've got this new idea, how much? And I pay them back. Yeah. Um, and without them, I wouldn't be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every day blessed and very grateful. And they love it because they come up to the Christmas parties. They love it, drink and love social mm-hmm. They come to this, all the social events. Um, and mum comes to the classes and they love it. When I say, oh, by the way, my mum's here. Or I must yeah. meet my parents because people go up and say, 
Thank you so much because yeah. they know you invest in Lauren. Without you, I wouldn't be. Like they tell their story of how they found mm-hmm. Zenko and how it's changed their life, helped them in some way. And so my parents who feel like there's these little we got silent investors down in Melbourne, yeah. they're actually making a difference yeah. to thousands of people's lives That's through awesome. lending me that money. And and how's Marichal going? I was just said I was fortunate there to be first class. I know which you was were. Cool. It was a hot sweaty class that one. It was you, you, the power flow was power. <laughs> Took took uh, took advantage of the annual deal. Thank you. Good man. Put my money down. No, a good thing. Put my money down. Um, how's Marisha all gone? How's the uptake been on that? Because I mean, I, you know, I'm 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 looking at property for my part of my catering plan, and I'm looking at the whole Marisha CBD. It's, it's, it looks like it's gonna be a have a great place to be, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, it's it's a little hub. It's it's fun. The car parking's awesome. It's someone said to me, it's Cinco Central. You know, it's just it's got a fun vibe mm. but there's also one beautiful element in that studio do you remember what it is the gong the gong oh, the gong <laughs> and that's you know a story of manifestation just in itself and um, one that makes, about that makes me very emotional <laughs> well i had no plans for the gong to end up in maruchido but i bought this gong over 12 months ago that was in Barney, right? Yeah. Would there be no surprises that on the 10th of the 10th, 19, I woke up running a yoga retreat in Bali and I said to Mandy, who I was co-facilitating with, I said to her, because I got this vision, I saw this gong, I saw this circle with a circle in the middle. And, I, and we're going to the pyramids of Chi that day where, we do, where you do sound healing. So yeah. I built these pyramids. That's a story about manifestation for a whole other day, but a man who inspires me greatly and I still communicate with him and we take groups there every year when, we're not, when we can cross the border. Mm-hmm. Woke up exactly a year before I opened Marichidor Studio on 10, 10, 20, and I said to Mandy, I'm going to buy a gong today. And Mandy, the ex-engineer, come yoga, is like, oh, God, like, where on earth in Bali are you in Uber? Are you going to get yourself a gong? Yeah. And well, why do you want a gong? And where's this? How are you going to get a gong home? And like, she was used to my fleeting ideas. You know, she's very integrated type mindset. She's an engineer, right? But yeah. I can, I'm bringing a gong home. She's an engineer, yeah. Um, we've worked so well over the years and still do. She does a teach training with us. So we walked into the Pyramids of Chi that afternoon, mm. and there'd be no surprises to anybody listening to this podcast now that there was a gong in the reception because Peter has gongs in each of the pyramids and they've just built the third pyramid out there and we were taking the group into the third pyramid and the owner was there, Peter, Australian man, and I said, Peter, I want to buy your gong. He's used to me walking and wanting to buy things and do things. Peter, next vision, next idea. And he's all about manifestation. He tells people, you be careful what you think about. You'll get it when you go into those sound healings and and any healings, any work that we're doing. Just life. See this gong? He says, it's not for sale. It's part of the reception. Mm. He said, I brought three. One for the reception, one for the third pyramid. The other one's in a box. It's got your name on it. Damn. Boom. Now, had I ever played a gong before? Mm-hmm. Did I know anything about a gong? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> so how did you get the gong? I still don't know much about it. Um, one of the guys on the trip is a very good friend of mine. Actually, yeah. he's doing teach training and is about to come at Zenko Yoga Teacher. This is... You know, so you can see there's so many stories mm-hmm. that I can tell about manifestation, how things come about and work for people in this energy of Zenko and, and yoga. He carried the thing home. And it sat in my garage for 12 months because I do have a long-term vision. I know you want to ask me about it later, but my long-term mm-hmm. vision is to open, to have, create a pyramid space somewhere in Noosa Hinterland oh, where it will be a sound healing yeah. for, yeah, goodness knows what. 
whatever is planned for that divine space. So that's where our soul is going. Yeah. So, so before we get on to future plans and, and I guess stop putting a bow on this, um, I alluded to earlier on yoga for me was a very important part of my healing. You know, it, it was, it was, you know, I was actually thinking about it driving here. It was more the symbolism of going rather than physical healing for me. Through your time, you must have, you must have had some amazing stories of very broken people. I don't, you know, well, I don't like to say we're broken, but you know what I mean? Is that coming into your spaces and, and any stories you'd like to share or tell of, of how you've received people at the, you know, at, at wit's end or the, in that dark space or the pain cave, as I call it, and how you've seen them use through Yoga Hill and the community and the tribe. Just is any anything that comes to mind now? Countless. I'm sure. <laughs> So obviously when you first show up to a yoga studio and if you're experiencing any sort of mental illness, setback, dark time in your life, you're not going to kind of show up and be like, hey, my name's Clint and I'm really depressed and I just drank three bottles of wine last night. No. So they arrive and supposedly a lot of them will have so much anxiety. They come to the car park numerous times and they can't get themselves in the door. They attempt the stairs or the entrance and they turn around and walk out. This is what I get told later. So as I said, they don't come in saying, hi, my name is, and this is what I'm experiencing. They'll just come in, they sign up, they do their first class, they start to see the benefits. That's sort of that's another story of its own. But over weeks, over months, and over years, you know, you develop a relationship with these people and they will eventually come out and open and say, hey, just so you know, I was taking medication for, I was suicidal, and I've since come full circle. Yes. And this is what I try to remind my teachers and I'm training. When you set foot in a yoga studio to teach class, you are holding space for people who are suicidal, have lost loved ones. You can't even imagine because we we are quite selfish beings. When we haven't woken up and become, especially when we're in our own mindset, we actually think we're the only one with issues. You know when you're going through your stuff, you think, I'm the only one that's suffering and no one can understand what's, what's going on in my head right now. We are. We think it's just us. And when you start to become aware that everyone's battling something you know nothing about, it, it brings that compassion into your practice and you, and you see it unfold and you start to realise, hey, it's not just me. And there's like-minded people and he's all right and, and she's all right. And I feel like something about this space, it's warm, inviting, and, and I want to keep coming back. They don't really know why they want to keep coming back. Mm-hmm. They just keep showing up because something tells them just go and they feel better. But I believe it's the journey to awakening, yeah. to finding ourselves. So we kind of come through that mud like a lotus flower. Through the, through the shit, through the shit show, <laughs> and come out. And then this is like, you know, endless, endless. But a lot of us are just hanging out here in the mud with, with other fellow mud um, attract, attractors and dwellers because we can't, it's low vibing, right? It's this low vibrational frequency. And then we start to realize it's slowly, and everyone's a different time, like, I, I can. I can bring more. I can, I can do more. Because if we can get out of our own way, we can start to realise what we can give to the world. Mm-hmm. And that journey, that's that's the journey. It's getting to that place in, in time. So, yeah, they're the big ones. Is at, Coming out of COVID, one I will tell you about, beautiful man who'd been a member for years at Noosa, hadn't seen him for a while. And I was like, maybe this is about two months ago. And I thought, I haven't seen, let's call him Bob. Bob. I haven't seen Bob for a while. 
Because I do, you, you know, I make the phone calls and check in with everyone after they've had their first class a month and that's sort of thing. I try to speak to most people and develop a relationship with most people. I haven't seen Bob for a while. I'll just pick up the phone and see how Bob is. Bob, how are you going? Haven't seen you for a while. If you want, we can bring you back in the membership. And he said, yep, okay, sounds good. Put the sale through. He came into my class and he stayed after class, first class back. Everyone had left. And he said to me, you have no idea what place I was in that day you called me. He's like, your phone call and asking me how I was mm-hmm. and how I was doing and that you hadn't seen me. You're the reason I'm alive. Fuck. Wow. Fuck. Yeah. Exactly, right? Like, yeah. imagine I hadn't called him and here he is and he's, and now and I'm seeing him regularly coming into the practice again, into the studios. He's supported. We're all friends. Yeah, it's amazing. That's what gets me up every day and just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And I'm sure for you, especially with your Christmas party coming up, I'm sure people have got a couple of wines in them, is when the, when, when the, the filters come off and, and the yeah. stories come out. It must be a, a really fulfilling evening for you, I assume. Graduation circles on teacher trainings as well. Yeah. Yeah, where they say, well, what you don't know about me is that before I came to this practice, I was in Sirtwood. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm. So you're coming up to a good time of year. I know. It's exciting. So it's festive, mindful time of year. So let's start putting a bonus. You said it's your time. It's almost been two hours already. <laughs> time flies when you haven't found it. Too much. Um, so, so obviously, big plans. Let's talk about what, the, let's talk about 2021, what visions you have for Zenkos. Um, probably a retreat on a catamaran would be great. Yes. I'll, I'll be there for six months of the year, otherwise it's empty. <laughs> yes. We'll, yes. We'll no. talk more about that. <laughs> yeah. It's done. It's done. Um, I already know, I already know the boat. So done. Oh, see, it's all done for us. I'm a dodgy staffer, so I know the owner of the boat company. And it's foreign, it's money. Don't worry about it. No, no. Yeah. I don't want the ATO. I know you've got it all it's, sorted, yeah. It's all sorted yeah. out, yeah. Okay, yeah. We'll talk more <laughs> off, off camera. Um, I'm very aware that Zenko is a brand that can go wherever it likes to go. Mm-hmm. I'm very aware that only me as the currently solo director and owner of the business gets in the way of its growth. I know I can sit and hang out at four or I can let the thing go, mm-hmm. grow. Can I control that energy, that tribe, that essence, that healing? I don't know. Do I need to do it to find out and scale back? Who knows? I am in trust of the universe, but I'm very aware that what I put out there, I create and attract very quickly. So, and I have a vision to have a retreat space and a pyramid built for sound healing. People can come miles around overseas eventually and they'll just feel the pull. It's, you know, it's that building and they come kind of mindset. People just get the pull. They come to Zenko. They know they need to be here. Feel the dreams, man. Right? So I'm the only one that gets in the way. So, yes, it's it's there and it's happening. And I do I talk about it like it's happening. I can see it. Mm. When my meditation, I'll go there and, and sit in there and, and see what's happening around me. And I know that, of course, I'd like it to be done by tomorrow. Of course I would like that. Most of us want our dreams tomorrow. But I'm in trust that there is divine time. I've seen enough of this over the years now to know yeah. that, and I know it's not just me. There'll be investors that come. Energy will flow. Space will be found. It will be built. And at this divine timing, it opens and the people will 
So have you, uh, inquisitive, have you, have you driven up to the hinterland and just had a look? Yeah, I'm often, I'm often out there because so I, I run retreats out there. So you just, you, you, the feelers are in a, in, a, yeah. in a very mild way out. Out, definitely. Climb a lot of the mountains around the area. Yeah. Yeah, look out, have a look just at it. Just check them out. Up or would you go? Pomona, love Pomona. I love Pomona. Nindri. Yeah. Never done that. So do it. That's good. People, because it's so quiet. Yeah, it's a good, okay. easy one. And you've got the views of the west. Like you see the ocean, they come back out and see the west as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's really, I mean, more teach trainings, that's very fulfilling for me because obviously we train, you know, 25 teachers at each course and building these beautiful angels to go out and share the practices as well. Retreats only in Queensland currently because we can't go overseas even if we wanted to. But you know what? I'm loving it. No, we stuck, we stuck, and this is air quotes for those listening for you, we stuck in the best place on earth. We really are sorry for those. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, just oh, we ran a retreat in Noosa. Like, we've got studios in Noosa. We ran a retreat in Noosa. It was busy. I probably made the same, if not more, money than going to Bali for a week. What the hell? And I went home to my babes each night. I was about to say that, you know. So why haven't we been utilising our own backyard? Mm-hmm. And this is, this is talking to not just all, all Australians, you know, travelling in our own backyard, but maybe wherever you are in the world, getting out and seeing your own space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, we've got um, some uh, Noosa North Shore, Mission Beach, a few other ones planned for next year. Nice. And you're doing two three-day ones? We do one, one, three, five, yeah. sevens. Okay. Brilliant. So thank you so much for your time. Thank, Thank you, you for yours. Thank it's you very, a, it's very nice having insight into you and your life, and I'm so glad that you're on the path and doing the yoga with us as well. Yes, yes, and and um, just from me to you, well done on Zenko. Like I knew, I've known about it for years um, with the brand and everything, and it just you know, my time was right to join the tribe um, because I I think I well I know I stepped off my practice a bit, but then just having you in all those locations is just amazing. As I said, I'm a my children's Uber at the moment. Um, so thank you, and, 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 and I hope you are unbelievable proud of everything you've achieved. You know, it's, it's, it's tough to reflect, but, but just be proud, right, and, and sit and so that's that for me. And to close this off, um, to anyone who is in that pain cave, who is struggling, who is coming into the silly season, which, as we know, is super hard if you, if you are a single parent for the first time or going through those phases, any advice, any words of wisdom, anything to, to leave them with as we, as we close the podcast off? We are trying to change the term to the mindful season because it is a good time to really practice mindfulness. Mm. The advice is to keep it simple. Yoga practice is actually simple as well. We want to complicate every single thing in this world. We want to complicate the way we do a pose. We want to complicate things. If we just keep coming back to breath and to this moment, this is where we're existing, right here and right now. Combating that mind, and this is why we support Movember every year, Mm -hmm. you know that we do it, we're seventh year running now. Changing the face of men's health is, is big value of ours. If the number one reason that men aged 15 to 45 years of age death is due to suicide, that means we need to combat the mind. We're telling ourselves to kill ourselves. So a mindful practice, whether it is yoga or another mindful practice, yoga is a way in Mm. to combat the mind and to free ourselves. Talk about freedom. Free 
our minds and live and exist in the current moment. There's no reason to go back to all the shoulda, coulda, wouldas and forward into hope and whatever, wherever else that can take us. We can live in the moment with, with loved ones and embody that for our children and shine that life, that light. Then I believe there's hope for us to bring those numbers drastically down and to raise our children and our you know, communities in a mindful way, free of anxiety, concern and stress, which is what Zenko means. Zen is a contemplative state of mind. We're born Zen. We're mm. born in pure. We're joy and we're love. Ko means child, like as a child. It's a Japanese word mm. for child. We're just coming back to a child's mind. Free, we're freeing ourselves of all of that. We can do it. Beautiful. And I believe it's possible. And it's an honour to sit here and be in your presence. Clint, thanks for all of what you do. Absolute pleasure. And helping so many people. And I love that you've ventured out into interviewing women and bringing women onto the podcast. Absolutely. Too. That was me just getting in my own way. Yeah. To be honest, that's why I didn't do it. But the time is right. Yeah. It is all that timing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Divine timing. Thanks so much. Thanks, Claire. Ciao. Namaste. Namaste. We must. <laughs>